Welcome to the audio weblog of the Hackberry House of Chosun. Today, my father was a South Korean. Although we're back, the stories have not all been told. I'll keep posting what I have until you get the full picture of our summer. The name of the person today is not important to our story, so we're going to leave that out. My wife and I received this story directly from a trainee at the underground university where we spent much of our time. She writes or tells us, I was born in 1960s North Korea, in the northeastern province of Hamgyongbukdo. I was the oldest child, but not the happiest. Happiness seemed impossible for me growing up. Most of the reason for my sadness centers around my father. My father was a South Korean. That's a pretty serious thing in my country. During the Korean War years, when my dad was in his teens, the Chinese attacked his home and arrested him. They took him away and eventually brought him to a North Korean military base. Where are you taking me? He cried out. My mom and dad are waiting. I've got to go home. You can't go home anymore. Take this gun. Protect this country. And so it was. He never returned to South Korea. And from that time on, the North Korean CIA was always watching Dad. All of my childhood was shattered with the knowledge that we were being watched. Very carefully watched. I couldn't even go to college. I actually blamed my father in my younger years. How could I understand such things? The bitterness he had towards his new home, his homesickness for the land south of us. Though I, too, had a growing resentment toward the land of my birth, I couldn't express my anger toward the North Korean system. I was well aware that three generations of people could be hurt by my saying the wrong thing. I loved and married a man. I think now it was the wrong person. He was a soldier. He was a very loyal soldier. He was the kind of soldier who could take a picture with Kim Il-sung, tension grew between my husband and I because of my father. I began to understand him, but I wanted to please my husband, too. Both of our parents had been against this marriage, but we were in love. However, by the time my daughter came along and reached the age of ten, we divorced. Now, divorce in North Korea, at least in those days, was not a common thing. Technically, it was forbidden. But in this case, the government actually stepped in and made the separation occur. My loyal soldier husband was valuable to the party. He was in line for a promotion, in fact, but my father's South Korean heritage didn't look so good on his resume. I had to go. I moved back to my mom's house. In the course of time, my old acquaintance came over to see me. Lots of chit-chat, renewing of friendships. We talked about a lot of things, like the fact that some of those friends have relatives in America. Strange. The friend with whom I had that discussion suddenly disappeared. After her disappearance, a man working in the North Korean CIA confronted me and let me know that tomorrow I would be arrested. 
I discovered later that the reason was that people imagined that somehow I was the one encouraging this person to go to America and it even set up the trip. But I didn't know that at the moment. I was shocked. Why'd they have to take me? I thought it was because I was selling antiques, actually running a forbidden business on the side. Someone randomly asked me, did you help your friend go to America? When he said that, I knew I had to leave right away for China or Korea. Yes, I had a lot of rage against the system when I was growing up, but I had my family to think of. I couldn't even think of escaping North Korea, but when he asked me that question, at that moment, all my feelings bubbled over. The injustice of it all, how dare they think this of me, I've got to go, I said. I asked for some money from my brother, added it to all my savings, took my daughter, and crossed the Tumen River that separates China from my land. I gave the guard a bribe and was able to cross over in the middle of the afternoon. People often ask, how do you know who to trust when you're offering bribes? Will the guard betray you? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but the word at the border is that no bribe ever fails. I didn't know what to do when I got to China. I saw a handicapped man working around the two men. I found only later he was a trafficker. I approached him. I've just come from North Korea. Can you show us somewhere to go? He invited us to his house and called someone on his cell phone. We got a taxi and headed for a nearby Chinese city. He put us in a house and started inviting a number of men to come and check me out. I realized something bad was going on. I told him, look, I'm thankful to you, but I know you're trying to sell me to a Chinese man. I promise you, I'll find a way to escape if you do this. Please, just look for a job for me. I'm not going to live in China. I want to go to my father's country. With that, I gave him some Chinese money. He went somewhere for a day to think about my proposal. Thankfully, he agreed to find me a job. He sent me to a construction company to bake bricks. There were four other North Korean women there. For the next couple of weeks, I went off to work each day and left my daughter in daycare at, at the house. I had just enough to cover our needs and the daycare expenses. It was afternoon early in the third week that someone from the house came to the construction company with bad news for us for us North Korean mothers. All of us immediately ran home. Our children had all been arrested by the Chinese police. In China to this day, there's a reward system that's set up whereby any Chinese citizen discovering and turning in a North Korean can receive a handsome sum of money. Such had been the fate of my daughter. For two days, excuse me, for two days I did not know whom to call to whom to report. All of us were out of our mind with grief. At least two of them had married a Chinese man. I had no one. We literally grabbed the grass as mad women, crying morning, afternoon, and all night for three days. Eventually we heard there was a man trying to find out what had happened. He discovered that they had been taken to a city one and a half days away by train. 
but they had traveled by truck. Truck. I heard from the man that one of the Chinese husbands had connections, but I had none. The pain inside became too intense. I got out of my room and saw a container of DDT. I noticed that the bottle had a little bit left, maybe five or six ounces, so I, I drank it. I drank it all. I passed out. When I awoke, I was in the bed of a pretty bad hospital. A doctor informed me that if I had had much more, I would have been killed, that I had taken just enough to throw up everything I was I'd drunk, so I was spared. The treatment was not good. If you can imagine it, I was flushed out with a simple water hose. Well, after I got out of the hospital, there was no place to go. I was still very sick. My stomach and intestines totally a mess. Such misery. It was so very cold. It was December. I didn't have enough clothes. I couldn't go on. Once more, I fainted in the street. I woke up in a hayfield where I guess someone had thrown me to die. I suddenly remembered there had been money in my pocket, but it was gone. I wanted to find the Korean woman who had been with me before I passed out, but I was unsuccessful. Wandering around the streets, I came upon a greenhouse and stayed there one night. I was discovered by the owner who asked me what was wrong, and a third time I passed out. This time when I woke up, I was in an old lady's house. She had had no clue I was a North Korean, and so she'd ordered some men to take me to her house. Please, let me stay here several days, I begged, but the woman, woman was afraid when she finally realized who I was. Harboring a North Korean refugee would bring fines that she surely could not afford. She tried to feed me, but all of my mouth, my gums were, were split open. I couldn't eat anything. The lady placed me on the back of a tractor and took me to a Buddhist temple. After talking to a monk there for 30 minutes, it was decided that they could take me in. They fed me. They took care of the, me the best they could. I stayed in the temple a month. After healing some, I worked a while in a Korean-Chinese market area. As I got stronger, three months later, I began laboring in a factory that made women's accessories, then in a Korean restaurant for a year. Of course, during that time, I never stopped thinking about my daughter. It was in the, this situation that I was first introduced to the church. I even found a place where North Korean defectors gathered and were sent on from there to South Korea. I attended this little group for two weeks. Then one day I was about to go there again when someone standing in the corner warned me, don't go. Yesterday six people were arrested in that place. For the next three years I never went to church again, just out of fear. I stayed in that Chinese city near Shanghai for six years. One and a half years I worked in the accessory factory, but I also leaned, learned to do work on the side. I saw South Korean vendors coming in and out. I got an idea. With the money I had saved up from the restaurant work, I was able to start a little business with those vendors. I was not alone in this venture. Another Korean woman worked with me. 
It would normally be hard for a North Korean woman to have a successful business in China, especially a port city, but my friend was a citizen. Before I came to faith, I was a drinker. I did a lot of visiting of bars in those days, and I began to make some friendships with men who offered to protect me. Now, they were not exactly law-abiding citizens, but they were a strong bunch of men, and I needed their help. Those connections kept my business safe for three years. Then things began to go down, and I had to move to yet another city. I worked successfully there another three years. It had been six and a half awful years since that fateful day when my daughter was arrested. Through a series of circumstances, I was able to make contact with people who knew the truth about what had happened. The truth I discovered was that my daughter, only a young teenager, had been powerfully kicked to the floor in her jail cell by a cruel guard and that she had not survived that blow. My daughter was dead. Somehow I had to carry on. Somehow I, I, I had to carry on. But the rain continued to pour down on me. Things seemed to be getting worse. Someone became jealous of the prosperity of my business, and I was reported. The ever-present North Korean CIA found me and started following me again. One of them actually approached me and asked me, Can you translate this note into Chinese? A test designed to prove that I was actually Korean Chinese, but rather that I was not Korean Chinese, but a North Korean defector. Of course, I couldn't translate the note. I began to run. I ran so fast that I didn't even know where I was going. I got on my cell phone, contacted one of my protector friends. A North Korean man is following me, I said. Please, come and help. Almost immediately, some motorcycles appeared. They rescued me. Where do you want to go? Uh, take me to a plastic surgery hospital. In three hours, I knew I could have eye surgery. But that wasn't going to help enough. I had to get out. Through this gang, a, a broker was found that could get her to South Korea immediately. But this broker only took six people at a time, and he was already full for this trip. A call was made, an exception was allowed for, and I was on my way. I gave up all my merchandise, my business, and seven days later, I left China. I took the route that so many before me have taken, hundreds and hundreds of miles over four months, to take a trip that should only be a, a couple of hours. When I arrived in South Korea, the Korean CIA questioned me for a full month. I had to tell the truth, since they knew most of the story anyway. In that four-month ordeal, sitting in a country in Southeast Asia, I had some serious doubts about the whole God thing. Even after I got here, and was encouraged to go to seminary to learn more about the things of the Lord, I wasn't so sure. It seemed that they were pushing their denomination and their viewpoint. But as I have become a part of Underground University, my faith is growing. I know I have been so very blessed never to have been caught. God has guided every step of the way, and I am trusting that God is going to work everything out. Amen. And I'm asking that those of you who have just heard this testimony will pray with her that indeed, 
that will happen. She's a wonderful woman, energetic, uh, faithful, and has a vision for ministry. Would you pray for her? Would you do that today and would you do it often? Thank you so much. And thanks for listening. If you'd like a written copy of what you've just heard, go to my homepage here at Sermon Audio. From the main page, just type in Chosun or Hackberry at the top where it says Find. Click on the link that comes up and then click on Weblog. Also on that page, you'll be able to access all my written and audio Bible teachings and information about North Korea. Please pray with me that God will have his way in North Korea and in our lives too. Amen. God bless you today.